Please help me welcome my spiritual mother, Pastor Holly Wagner, everybody. Elbows, elbows. <laughs> Hi. Wow. Thanks for letting me come to your house. <laughs> oh, I've been missing your faces. Uh, you can't imagine for the big extrovert, like, I want to kiss people. I like hugging strangers. I want to touch people. Ah! So hugs. This is your mother hug from me. I love you, and I'm so grateful that you're here with us, because this is still us, right? We're doing it different, but it's still us. So thanks for being with us. I'm just going to pray for a moment as we get ready to open God's word and it is his word that actually brings freedom and breaks any chains that might be holding us. So I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for your word and I just pray God that you would do what only you can do. Cameras are no problem for you. Your word can penetrate right into the hearts of the men and women and families who are with us. And so God, I just pray that your kingdom come, your will be done in those homes in Jesus' name, amen. 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 I love you. Yes. You know, um, when my daughter Paris was in her last year of high school, she decided to run cross country. And now I, it was a new thing. And uh, so I don't know if you know what cross country is. Basically, it's about a 5K, and they run outside over hills and brush and all that. And I thought it was going to be so boring because there's no refs to yell at. And where do you watch? Right, starting line or finish line, that's it. And so, okay, so I go with her to a race and I'm standing at the finish line and she crosses it and she's sobbing. I said, Paris, what's the matter? And then she begins to tell me this story about she had been running on a, the trail and she came across this runner who had fallen in the ground, fallen to the ground. And she looks at her and her eyes are kind of rolling around her head. And so Paris bends down and, 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 and says, are you okay? And then this girl uh, says, why, why are you stopping? We're not even on the same team. Paris said, it doesn't matter what team we're on. We're both runners. And so Paris is trying to help her. And then she hears another runner coming up behind. And then this other runner just jumps over both of them and keeps on going. So Paris realizes she's got to figure something out. So she you know, tries to carry her. So she starts trying to carry this girl to get her some help. Well, Paris's coach, because this was close, close to the finish line, and so Paris's coach, when he realized that she hadn't, that Paris, who normally comes in about the top five, hadn't crossed the finish line, he's realizing something's wrong. So he comes to look for her, and he sees her carrying this girl. So he comes down and says, Paris, it looks like she's really hurt, so I'm going to stay here with her. You go to the finish line, and you get help. So that's what she did. She came to the finish line, told me. Then we had to get the ambulance. There's always an ambulance there. And they took a stretcher and went down and got that girl because she had fallen and hit her head. So I guess it was pretty serious. So that was one race. And then in another race, she's running. And someone, to, in order to pass her, punches her in the stomach. And then in another race, she crosses the, and it was run in about 105 degrees. And she crosses the finish line and then throws up. And so I started thinking, okay, this is not such a boring sport after all. <laughs> Who knew, right? Because you never know what's going to happen in a race. And I thought it's kind of like life, right? Certainly life in 2020. 
We all started. Woohoo! <laughs> Remember the start of this year? All the hopes and dreams, and then bam. And now we're having to navigate some intense big moments. You know, COVID-19 has just seemed to be relentless, hasn't it? And then also all of the emotions involved with the amplification and continued pain of racial injustice. And then there's just been, I'm sure for you, just some personal challenges. You know, personal heartbreaks that you are perhaps in the middle of or have suffered. I have. So yeah, there are the big situations, but there's also the personal ones, the personal losses, maybe loss of a job or loss of finances or loss of health or maybe you've navigated a divorce or, or just for the young people, a loss of graduation or proms. And then there's the personal struggles. Maybe you are trying to homeschool kids while trying to work. Can I just say, you're my heroes. Because I don't know how you're doing that. Right? You're amazing. So I understand the struggle that that could be. Or just marriage. Okay, there's such a thing as too much togetherness. And um, yeah. Because listen, I don't know who has it harder right now. Me, the extrovert who wants to go out, remember, and hug everybody and talk to people. Or my husband who has to live with me. So it's marriage in COVID-19 is it's a struggle. It just is. Let's just be real. It just is. So if you're sitting next to your spouse, just gently pat them. <laughs> We're going to get through this too. Right? And then there are people navigating sickness. I personally am walking with two really good friends through stage four cancer. So I'm watching them navigate. It's heartbreaking. So, you know, or maybe you're just wondering about your future. So yeah, there's the, the big things that we're dealing with, but there's also the personal ones. You know, maybe like Paris, getting punched in the stomach this year has felt like one punch after another. It's just hard to catch a breath, isn't it? And just like she had to stop and help that fallen runner, our journey, listen to me, this is your mama, our journey will always include noticing and stopping and helping someone else. Always. Your journey, my journey, is not just about you. My journey is not just about me. You know, there have been some moments on this journey when I had to ask myself just an honest question. Am I following Jesus or am I expecting him to be following me? I... I like being a trailblazer. That's my nature. I like being the pioneer. And in many ways, that, I've, you know, I've done that to a certain extent. I have been with God chicks, and then you know, now she rises. We created a new path in order to reach and inspire a generation of women. And Philip and I, in many ways, were trailblazers with how we started and built the community that is Oasis Church. You know, most people were running for the suburbs, but we had a heart for the city. But, you know, even us trailblazers, and I'm sure there are some of you listening to me, even us trailblazers, we need to know that we can't be trying, that we can't be trying to blaze a trail and expect Jesus to follow. 
We have to be following him. See, if we're going to be able to overcome the challenges that are on the path that we're on, we have to be following him. So listen, go ahead, start that business, write that book, go back to school. Just make sure that Jesus is on the trail ahead of you. So let me just ask you, how you doing? How you doing, really? I want everybody right now, including the 10 people in this room, everybody just take a breath. I just take a breath. I wanted to call this message navigating crap. But, you know, now that Pastor Julian is lead pastor, he had to get all, like, put a, you know, correct on me. And so he said, no, you can't call it that, Holly. I'm like, okay. So we're going to call it strength for the journey because... See, that's the, you know, the better one. (laughs) So here we go, talking about strength for the journey. You know, the Christian life is a race. It's a journey, and it involves movement and action. It involves stops and starts and detours and pain and heartbreak and the delays and unknown. Do every Bible hero that we read about had to navigate that, every one of them. But let me just say this to you. I'm going to look at you in the face right now. Let me just say this to you. We're going to get through this. You're going to get through this. We will get through this. You're actually doing better than you think you are. You're still here. Your heart is still beating. You know how to smile. In fact, right now in the chat, put your favorite smile face. Whichever one it is. Look, God is still faithful. You can still trust him. We might get knocked down seven times, but we're going to get up one more. God is for us. He is on the throne. His will will prevail. His kingdom will come. His spirit lives inside of us. His favor rests on you. You are loved. So knowing that, how do we finish the journey? How do we navigate the hard times? How do we find strength? For the journey. Well, I've learned a few things in 35 years of leading a church, but I've certainly learned some things just in the months that we've navigated this. So the first thing I want to challenge us with is you got to let go of some things. You got to let go. So what is it that you need to let go of? Letting go is really hard, especially when you don't know what you're reaching for, right? We want to, we, we want to let go of something only when we see what we're reaching for and it never works out that. Right? But some things are easy to let go of. Like asparagus for me would be very easy to let go of. If God said don't ever eat it again, I'd go, perfect. Or honestly, exercise. I only exercise because I know I'm supposed to, to be strong. But if God said you don't ever have to exercise again, I'd be like, woohoo! Some of you love it and blah, 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 blah. Good for you. I don't. But what would you find it easy to let go of? Like organizing your closet? Doing laundry? Put that in the chat. What would you find easy to let go of? But you know what maybe is more important? Letting go of old habit patterns. Letting go of what worked before. It's a new day. Letting go perhaps of how you see things. But for me, I had to learn to let go of what I can't control. And so that's what I want to talk about for a second. Let go of what I can't control as if I had it anyway. Hello, I just thought I did. But the, you know, feeling 
of being out of control, it can produce anxiety. And there's so many people right now, some people I'm hoping, who are just dealing with anxiety attacks and just this ang- just anxious. Do you know the root word of anxiety is actually, it actually means to strangle, to lose your breath. So let me just say right now, I'm going to read Psalm 23, a portion of that. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And that word soul is the same word as breathing. He restores your breathing. So just take a breath right now. Let his peace fill you. Let go of trying to control everything. And just let his peace fill your heart. There are things in my life I can control, like my diet and the words I say. But I had to let go of what I can't. I can't control the virus. I actually can't control what you think of me. I can't control what's going on in our country. So I had to let go of the worry, the illusion of control. I just am suggesting maybe you do too. Just breathe. You know, Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. What he's saying is you can't focus on what you're going to eat tomorrow or look back at what you didn't get yesterday. He's saying today, today. Matthew 6, 34 says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever comes up when the time comes. So quit trying to control what you can't control. Just shake it off. Do the shake off dance, whatever it is. Shake it off. All right, second thing, if we're going to navigate this journey, if we're going to have strength to finish, is this is the part about strength. The second thing is you have to build your strength. And the first thought about strength I want to say is we need the strength to finish. Starting is easy, right? We have to have the strength to finish. Judges 8, 4 has this really interesting uh, section of a verse. It says, faint yet pursuing, or some translations would say exhausted, yet pursuing. Now, that phrase is used to describe the condition of the 300 men assigned by God to Gideon to fight Israel's battle for her. Now, the enemy was being defeated and put to flight. And in order to capture them, Gideon's little army, they were hungry, they were tired, they were weary. A lot of stuff was going on. Can you relate? But they had no choice but to continue. And they could almost see that there was going to be a victory. And so they were motivated. They took the battle all the way to the gates. And Isaiah 28, 6 says this, that God becomes a source of strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. And what that means is the finish line. And there are times in our lives when we need Gideon's mentality, when we're exhausted, when we're over it. Okay, if you're over it, put your hand up in the chat. Yeah, we're all over it, right? But listen, we're not done, right? Victory is promised to us, so don't quit. Have the strength to finish. I mean, maybe you've lost 40 pounds on the way to 50, right? You're exhausted, but you're pursuing that. Maybe you finished three years out of four at a university. You're exhausted, but you're pursuing the goal. Maybe you're a toddler, only what's the bed one night out of seven. Yay, right? You're exhausted, but pursuing. Have the strength to finish. And then Proverbs describes this strength. Proverbs 31, 17 says, she girds herself with strength 
And that word means spiritual, mental, and physical fitness for her God-given task and makes her arms strong and firm. And then Proverbs 24, 5 says, a wise man is strong spiritually, mentally, and physically. So it's talking about three aspects of strength. And these are the three aspects we're going to need if we're going to get to the finish line. There is a strength that comes from God. It says he is our strength. And when we feel weak, then he shows up in his strength. But the strength that these verses are talking about is the strength that we get to build. We have to do it. It doesn't descend from a cloud. There's no little magic pill you get to take. Sorry about that. This is strength we have to build. And if we're going to get to the end of this journey, we need this kind of strength, physical, mental, and spiritual. Okay, physical strength. 15 years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and began that journey. I mean, it's nothing like a cancer diagnosis to wake you up to what's important about health. And I changed things about my life. I learned things. So let me just ask you, how are you doing with taking care of the one and only body that God has trusted you with to finish this race? How are you doing with that? Are you strengthening it? We have to care for it and keep it strong. I started nagging Pastor Julian years ago. Quit with all the Popeye's fried chicken. Start drinking green drinks. And you know, he did. In fact, he has one in his hand right now. I'm so proud of him. See, we've been entrusted with one body to finish our race. In uh, 1 Corinthians 9, it says, Isn't it obvious that all the runners on the racetrack keep on running to win, but only one receives the victor's prize? Yet each one of you must run the race to be victorious. A true athlete will be disciplined in every respect, practicing constant self-control in order to win a laurel wreath that quickly withers. But we run. We. We run our race to win a victor's crown that will last forever. For that reason, I don't just run for exercise or box like one throwing aimless punches, but I train like a champion athlete. I subdue my body and get it under control so that after preaching the good news to others, I won't be disqualified myself. So see, Paul right here, he's comparing the runners and contestants in the Isthmian games, which were well-known by the Corinthians. Now, these, these athletes, they would train. They would work so hard to compete. They would fully discipline their body to win a prize of a laurel wreath, like leaves, that's going to wither. And so Paul is saying, hey, the prize that we're running after is so much more valuable and so much more important, So, which is to finish our race and hear Jesus say, well done. I mean, that's why I'm doing this. Say, you're my savior. Say, well done. Right? And so that's the prize. So shouldn't I take all the more care of my body? All right. So physical strength. Did I get in your business a little bit? Why don't you just put the running emoji in the chat pretending that you run. Anyway, okay, then it's mental strength. You know, several years ago, I went back to school to get my master's degree, you know, trying to keep my brain working, and I've already discovered that just increasing my mental strength has broadened my thinking, which has in turn allowed me to think bigger. But listen, maybe school is not your thing. No problem. Find another way then to increase your mental strength. Maybe, how about reading a book by someone you don't agree with. Or maybe read a book about racism. Don't just repost somebody's Instagram post. You build your mental strength. Or maybe get to know someone from a different culture, you know, asking questions. Or how about taking a writing class or an art class? I mean, the list is endless. But, you know, mental strength doesn't just stop there, though. There's another layer. 
Our emotions and how well we handle them is crucial as we navigate this journey. So let me ask you, how are you doing with those emotions? Are you leading them or are they leading you? What's being enlarged in you right now? Is it courage or fear? Love or hate? Peace or chaos? Joy or sorrow? Can you control your anger? Man, I have to say, I've been angry this year. And you know what? There is a way to be angry and not sin. The Bible calls it righteous anger. There was a time when Jesus turned over tables because there were people who were perverting God's way. So I think it's okay to turn over the tables of someone's thinking, right? To shake things up a bit. But still the goal has to be to lead someone to encounter the love of Jesus. Not just let your anger cause damage. And do you know what? I'm pretty sure I crossed the line a few times. I heard one of my friends, Carrie Newhoff, say, anger is not really an effective evangelism tool. It just isn't. You know, the Apostle Paul tells us that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. But man, it feels like it. I want to. But family, we have an unseen enemy. The Bible calls it the antichrist spirit. Right? It is the opposite of what Christ would do. We have an unseen enemy. And Jesus told us that the enemy would do his best to kill, steal, and destroy. And right now, listen to me. The enemy is unleashing his fury because he knows his days are numbered. That's what Revelation 12 tells us. So don't let anger at people keep you from being focused on the journey that Jesus has for you. Which his life, his journey for you includes abundant life. We can't be distracted and forget the mission that he's assigned us. One of the greatest challenges in a difficult season is to manage our soul. We are a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. And for everything, you get three votes. Now, the spirit always votes with the way of God. And the body never does. <laughs> the body tends to vote with what feels good. And they are constantly at war with one another. But the, the soul, that's the swing vote. And if the soul is damaged or needs freedom, then it often votes with the body and so leads us astray. So we want the soul to vote with the spirit. So we have to keep our soul healthy. And let me just encourage you, you know, we are each personally responsible for the condition of our own soul. It is not Philip's, fault, Philip's job to keep my soul healthy. It's not my job to keep his healthy. It's not Pastor Julian's job to keep your soul healthy. That's your job. Your job to manage your soul. We're each responsible for how we grow in our soul. So do that soul check. And then we have to grow our spiritual strength. You know, Peter wrote this. Don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given. Complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, generous love. Each dimension fitting into and developing the others. 
With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our master Jesus. I love this picture of what spiritual strength really looks like. It says alert discipline. It's not a very glamorous word, but if we're going to have the spiritual strength, we have to discipline ourselves to pray, to read the Bible. Try just reading a chapter a day. For me, sometimes the discipline involves being still. I'm the goer and the doer. Sometimes being still before God. It's discipline. And then it says passionate patience, which is an expect. There's an expectancy in this. Romans 8, 24 says waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. And Lord knows we've got a bunch of them right now. It says we are enlarged in the waiting. But the truth is patience is only practiced in a situation that we think should be sped up. I've never had to practice patience eating anything chocolate. I want it to last forever. Right? Philip has never practiced patience watching any sort of sporting event. Right now he's having to practice patience waiting for one to show up again. Right? But I've seen people in such a hurry that they miss what God wants to do. In such a hurry to get married that they just marry the wrong person. I've seen people quit being generous because they felt it didn't work. And some of us, especially right now, we're giving God a time limit in which to perform. And when our expectations aren't met then we're just overcome with frustration. Patience. I don't have the answer to how long this virus is going to last. Like you, I want it gone. I'm done. And sometimes my lack of patience comes out as frustration with people. Just being overwhelmed comes out as fear, anger. Anybody else? Put your hand up. We have to trust God here. And patience is what builds our spiritual muscles. I, I heard Julian just talking about this earlier in this service. I, about the plan. I want to know the plan. P-L-A-N, plan. I want to know it. And as a leader, I know. I know how important it is to share a plan, a vision with those I'm leading. But in this season, I couldn't have one. Or it kept changing. And I had to learn to be comfortable in the mystery. Can I suggest we all get comfortable in the mystery? And I, I've spent some time crying and grieving what was and trusting God that what's coming is better. Passionate patience. And then it says reverent wonder. I love that wonder is included in spiritual strength. Because I think in the middle of hard seasons, it's so easy to get cynical. It's so easy to get better. But recently, you know, I just have had to discipline myself to see wonder in anything. A sunset? I remember walking down my street going, nice tree, God. Nice tree. Or I just stood under a tree and listened to the wind blow. I go, oh, that's such a nice sound. So I don't know what that would be for you. Look at your child. I mean, they're a miracle. Find the wonder in a piece of pizza. I don't know what it would be. But some wonder. And then it says warm friendliness. I love that it describes it with warm. Might be tricky in this season, but can I say don't let grumpy replace friendly. When you order from somebody, when you go to Starbucks, be friendly. It's, listen, everybody's over it. Not just you. Right? Warm friendliness. Remember, we serve the king of kings. We're representing him on this journey. Right? And then it says generous love. So if we're going to navigate the hard times, we have to be working on those. Oh, that aspect of strength. 
And then I'm going to end with this thought. We need hope. Hebrews 6.19 says we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. What, what was he talking about? What hope is he talking about? Maybe the hope that God keeps his promises. Maybe the hope that his love never fails. See, I've heard people can live about 40 days without food, three days without water, you know, eight minutes without air, but about zero seconds without hope. You know, in the New Testament, the biblical definition of hope implies a knowing and an expectation. Hope is not a luxury. Certainly not now. It is essential, and it is for all of us. It is an expectation that God will do what he promised. God is going to do it. So what are you in the middle of where hope seems lost? Maybe you lost your job, or you can't seem to kick that addiction, or you hear the word or you've heard the word cancer from your doctor, or maybe you're feeling overwhelmed with trying to homeschool your kids, or you wonder if this virus is ever going to end, or you wonder if the systemic injustice of racism will ever be changed, or you're wondering if your parent will ever open their heart to Jesus. How is hope possible? Well, you know, the prophet Jeremiah told us to, that his faithfulness the faithfulness of God is renewed every day. And he said he had to keep a grip on hope. Keep a grip on hope. Don't let go of it. We have to keep hope in our hearts because if you lose hope, here's what happens. You lose hope, you'll stop fighting for what you want. Right? You'll quit on the journey. If you lose hope that we can make progress in eliminating the racism in our country, then you'll quit fighting for it. Right? If you're hopeless about your marriage or a friendship, you'll quit working on it. And if we're hopeless about our family encountering God, then we'll quit showing them Jesus. Keep hoping. So can I just say, get your hopes up. You know how people say, don't get your hopes up? Stupid. Get your hopes up. Get them way up. Get your hopes up. And you know, this is the best part. We live with the hope that Jesus is coming back. Right, Titus 2.13 says, While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Family, this life, this earth is temporal. Yes, we have been entrusted with this moment. And what a moment. What a moment. What a moment. We are going to get through it. Not by standing around and complaining or by singing Kesara Sara or don't worry, be happy. No. But by letting go of what we can't control, by building our strength, and by keeping our hope tank full. Keep your eyes on the God path. Don't get distracted. You and I are residents of another kingdom, another kingdom, and our king is returning. Our hope comes from knowing that. The Bible says that generation after generation, that the word is declared to them. So I've asked the team to just end, end today this gathering by singing the blessing. Because I want it sung over you. Over you. So if you will just, will you just let them minister to you? Wherever you're sitting, Maybe you're out for a walk. I don't know. But if you'll just be still and let these words speak to you.
You know, maybe there's some of you in here and you've, you haven't surrendered your heart to this king who is coming. This Jesus who is the foundation of our hope. Today's a perfect day to do that. Sins are forgiven and you can say yes to the king of kings. You can talk to someone in the chat. Today is your day of freedom. His blessing is on you. Jeremiah 31, Julian referenced Jeremiah earlier. But in Jeremiah 31, it says, set up road signs, put up guideposts, mark well the path by which you came. You and I are marking the path right now. The one that is filled with so much chaos and so much darkness, we're marking the path. And do you know what we're going to sing? His blessing over you as you mark the trail. You're not going to mark it with complaining, with fear, with anxiety, but you're going to mark it with hope and faith and blessing. So why don't you just receive right now the amazing words of this song. Let the Spirit of God do what the Spirit of God will do. In Jesus' name.